Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. Sean, today we're going to be talking about packaging. We can get into all sorts of things with this from a, uh, from packaging, beer, persuasion, branding, how we pick things. You know, you and I talk about all the time how we are suckers when it comes to uh, picking new brews for the show. Yeah. And uh, it's image is everything sometimes. And um, it's sometimes like the best chance you've got of getting noticed in this day and age where there's like so many options out there. Yeah, it's got to stand out. The packaging's got to look good. It's got to elicit a certain emotion, like all kinds of stuff. We'll get into all of it. But I want to share real quick the, the message we got from um, the reply mm-hmm. yep. from our guest. And he says, my marketing agent has worked with almost 10 breweries on their brand, including the visual identity package and labeling. If you're looking for a neutral source that can provide you objective advice and stories on what not to do, we'd be happy to chat with you. So we're going to learn at least what not to do, at least what not to do. So that's a, that, and that's a big win, right? Because that could save you a lot of time, money, and frustration. So no doubt. So we have the, uh, our, we have actually two guests joining us. We, we don't do that very often. We've got, uh, two guests with the same organization, a company, Thundertech, uh, Jason Etherian. He is the president. And then we also have, uh, Joe Cola. He is the art director, uh, the senior art director, uh, for Thundertech. And so I'm excited to have these guys on to share a little bit about some of the work they've done with, uh, breweries. And, uh, you know, other companies out there who are looking to enhance their image, their brand. And um, so should be a fun discussion today, Sean. Absolutely. Well, let's bring them up from the green room. Welcome to the show, guys. Howdy. <laughs> Love it. That's great. You get an applause if you bring a beer. If you don't, you, you get nothing. So All right. Yeah. We're good then. We're good. I love it. Yeah. Well, Jonathan and I are 80s kids, so we had to bring in a track, you know, yeah. applause track. That's right. That's right. Well, thanks for coming on and spending some time with us. Um, you guys, obviously, you guys have a beer. Uh, the first things first on the show, before we get into a discussion, we like to share what we're having. So I'll start, we'll start with uh, one of you guys. Let's start with Jason and then we'll go to Joe. What are you having today? Jason. Excellent. I am having uh, our favorite neighborhood brew uh, near the office uh, made by Goldhorn Brewing. Okay. Uh, it is called Dead Man's Curve. Uh, it's an IPA. Clocks okay. in at 8%. Oh, wow. Nice. Strong one. And <laughs> That's a heavy. The, uh, yeah, so Dead Man's Curve was uh, is, is a, a local uh, legend. Unfortunately, it's, it's attached to a, a very poorly designed uh, highway yeah. uh, interchange. Um, so, that was a Beach Boys song back in the day, too, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, That's even before my time. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my dad playing that in the car all the time. Yeah. So, Dead um, Man's Curve. You got, oh, man. you got a picture of the can, the packaging? Ooh, uh, or do you just keep a keg on tap there at the office? Uh, actually, it is a keg. Yeah. Okay. As <laughs> it yeah, should be. If you're yeah. working for a beer brand, why not? Two tap system. We always try to, you know, uh, well, assume what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Then you definitely don't need a can. So. Yeah. No. That's All right. Part of the uh, it's a little fringe benefit right there from working like with it. those guys. I like it. I think so. All right. So Dead Man's Curve, 8% IPA. All right, we'll get your rating here in a minute after we, after we cheers. Joe, what you got over there in your neck of the woods? Yeah, um, I have another uh, local favorite, uh, Great Lakes Brewing, their Mexican lager with lime. Mm. Um, really, it's a, um, AB, ABV of um, four, uh, 5.4, IBU of 20. Um, it's pretty yeah. solid. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. it. I almost kind of think it's like a, a fancy Corona, but uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of it mainly because of the artwork on it, which is, you know, a really good thing for me, but it has an iguana on it. And, uh, I really yeah, like iguanas. So. You have the bottler can there? You know, I don't, I, uh, okay. I, it was the last one I had tossed it. And yeah, okay. uh, so I just have my glass here, but. All right. Yeah. A lot. So it's a lager, right? Yeah. Yep. Lager yeah, with a, a, little, a Mexican lager. Oh, nice. That sounds right. great. Love lagers. All right, Sean, All right. what do you got? Uh, let me put it on the screen real quick for those that can see the screen. So I've got a Snickerdoodle Ale <laughs> from Community Beer Company, uh, which is up the street here. And I'm in Austin, so up the street in Dallas, about three hours up the street. Yep. <laughs> um, 
which is pretty close in Texas terms. So, but 5.2% ABV, 15 IBUs, cinnamon and vanilla spiced ale. So Ooh, like I'm excited it. to grab this. I'm uh, excited to give this one a try. That looks like more of a holiday type thing. But It uh, does, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it does. But they were selling it and there you go. caught my attention. Uh, looks pretty good. <clears throat> Did his job. Yep, absolutely. Um, so I'm having today, I've got an against the grain. Um, these guys are out of Louisville, Kentucky. So I've got their 35K uh, stout. Look at that artwork. Nice. Talk about artwork. Nice. Joe, you'd love this, yeah. man. Check that out. I do love that. That is, <laughs> Looks, that is sweet. That's got a lot of the, um, the what's the the clown shoes brand? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a, that feel to it. Kind of that tattoo art type feel to it. It says on his it. arm, it's, uh, you, can, you might not be able to say it, but it shows uh, regretful tattoo. Ah. <laughs> Is this spelled wrong? Uh, let's see. Regretful. Regrets. <laughs> regret. <laughs> no regrets. Uh, so this is not your. It says uh, not your typical. Not your typical jelly of the month club beer. Uh, dark roasted malt and bittersweet cocoa and coffee flavor um, and aroma burst with this pitch black milk stout. It is seven percent ABV, and uh, I'm not sure what the IBUs are on it, but. Uh, it says a healthy dose of English Kent Goldings hops provides a counterpoint to this ale's rich and complex maltiness. I got to say, I don't know if you can see this, John, but this is the glass we talked about last week. Yeah. Like, look at the action oh, on those bubbles, man. It really is working. I'm impressed with this little <laughs> glass. Work. Oh, look at that. It's pretty cool. It just keeps, the, very, it just keeps uh, the bubbles flowing. And here's mine, guys. That's very nice. good. Dark. Nice and dark. I'll be back to the darks next week. <laughs> All right. Cheers, season, guys. Right? Cheers. Cheers. Thank cheers. you. All right. So we have a one to five pint rating. Uh, we'll start with Jason on a scale with one to five pints. What you rate your beer? Five being the best. Five being the best. Yeah. So you can go okay. like you can do decimals, decimals, pie. three point, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah, you can go pie if you want. <laughs> Sounds like an app I use. Uh, yeah, this uh, this is a solid. Um, I really like the Dead Man's Curve. It's it is strong, but um, you don't you don't you don't feel it right away, and yeah. you don't taste it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's brewed well, so I give this guy a four point five. Nice. Cool. So we're not we're not huge IPA fans here. We probably maybe we haven't found the right ones. Is this like a Pine Soul IPA or is it more? <laughs> no, 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 no. So yeah, I'm 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 with you guys. I love dark beers. Um, yeah. We happen to have this on tap, like I said, and their client, and it they just do it well. So yeah, I they, so it doesn't have that super like where that flowery stuff is. Right, it is very easy drinking. It's it, you, yes. I've had. I don't know if my taste buds are, are pull it out, but I've had folks tell me they, they think it's a sessionable, uh, hmm. you know, IPA, which for that percentage, you know, does not typically fall into that range. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I've had an Imperial IPA before that I really. Yeah. I've had some black IPAs. I like, yeah. So it's interesting. I'll have to see if I can order that one on the app somewhere. Yeah. 4.5. All, right. All right, Joe, what do you got? All right, so for the <clears throat> Great Lakes Brewing um, Mexican Lager, I, th I give it like a 3.75. Okay. Um, it's nice. It's clean, very crisp. Um, the little hints of lime are really nice. Mm -hmm. um, like you guys, I really love dark beers. Stouts oh. and porters are, are my jam. And mm -hmm. um, maybe because here in Cleveland we're sitting under two feet of snow <laughs> that I wanted something that feels a little bit warmer. Yes. Makes me feel like I'm still enjoying summer. I think I went for this one, but, um, yeah, yeah uh, really, really good beer. And it's, I've had it in the summer. It's especially good. And it was just one of the ones I had hanging around that made me feel like, yeah, I really wish it was uh, sunny and warm here. Yeah. And not zero. <laughs> so yeah, solid beer though. Um, especially, uh, you know, all around good, smooth drinking. Sure. Absolutely. Very good. All right, Sean, what do you got? All right. I'm going to give, this is, um, this one of those ones on the first taste, it's like, eh. But then as you sip it, I guess as the, the air kind of hits it, it's getting better and better. Um, so I think I'm going to give this, probably give this like a 3.9. 
Okay. It may go up to a four by the end of the show, but it's right now it's about a three nine because it, it does it doesn't have as much cinnamon as I thought it would to be a snickerdoodle ale. I thought it'd have a little more cinnamon to it, and it just it's lacking some of that cinnamon, a little more on the vanilla side instead of the cinnamon. So three nine. Three nine. Well, guys, I have every one of you you beat by a long shot. Well, Uh-oh. maybe not Jason because he's a four or five. I've I'm gonna go four eight. Four eight five or something like that. It's it's it's, yeah. it's it's bordering. It's getting close to five, but this is really good. It's got a nice wow. mix of the uh, lived that, up to the can. That huh? That's cocoa good. and coffee. I don't know if you guys are are big coffee uh, coffee porter yep. fans. Yep. Uh, man, this is so good and um, not too sweet. It's got the uh, bittersweet chocolate. It kind of um, so it's not really sweet mixed with the coffee. So good. All right. So That's good. Awesome. All right, well, let's dive in. Yeah. Love so it. let's give our listeners a little background, uh, first of all, on your company. Jason, why don't, you start, why don't we start with you and uh, kind of give us a little background um, on your, you know, your work in the industry. We'll kind of cover some of the work that you've done with, um, you know, breweries out there and some of the work and branding that you've done. But let's start with ThunderTech and give us a little background in the history of the company. Sure. Uh, thank you. So ThunderTech has been around now um, 20 plus years. So we've seen a lot, um, you know, marketing, technology, culture, just has gone through so much change uh, as well as obviously packaged goods, which clearly that's, you know, part of the topic today. Yeah. Um, we watched the, you know, brewery explosion uh, throughout the country, you know, both locally, regionally, nationally occur and just, um, really incredible. We, we have a few offices and we travel quite a bit. So it's, it's awesome seeing these different, uh, regions, you know, yeah. pick up beer culture. And obviously they've, they've, they've taken them up, uh, different paces over the years, but you know, by now pretty much every city has a, as a brewery scene, of uh, some degree. Sure. Um, but yeah, so one of our first accounts was actually with a, um, a local brewery that unfortunately is no longer, uh, of this earth, but RIP, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, that's a got shame. Our, if we I had know. some, uh, <laughs> some but, dirge funeral uh, music, we would play it, but no, we can't. Oh, <laughs> oh I like that. Yeah. So anyways, that was an account, uh, early in our, our history. We learned a lot of things, what not to do. Sure. Um, but, and, and, and it ended up coming true because again, they, they closed up shop and there's another good uh, spot in its place. But yeah, then we moved on over the years. So like I said, we've, we've worked with at least 10, uh, off the top of my head. I know, uh, in the brewing space, we've worked with distillers, we've worked with, um, other beverage companies and, and certainly our, our fair share of food, um, packaged food, uh, organizations as well too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, let's see real quick on the Thunder Tech side, we're about a 40 plus person, uh, organization and we've got, uh, an integrated approach to, to marketing. So, you know, Joe's here is, is, uh, head of our creative uh, department, but we have communications, social media, big web, uh, departments, um, advertising, multimedia, you name it. It's, it's in-house at, at Thunder Tech. So, you know, for today's topic, we see a lot of how these things um, should integrate better. Um, and some do, but a lot don't. That's an interesting, uh, the way you're, so I was, I, I found it interesting on the, your company name. Yeah. Thunder tech, but you've got the uh, two, um, what's the story behind that? You got like the two colons in there. So I, yeah. I like latch on to stuff like that. Okay. What, what's, what's, what's going on there? That's so, pretty cool. Uh, since we're, we're only halfway into the beer, I'll keep this short. It's, it's, um, it, it's our, it's our stamp of quality. Uh, I'm a big history buff and, uh, it's, it's got some historical connotations to, um, the Roy Crofters and some other artisans in the Northeast that got banded together and started using squares, uh, in their handmade goods during the industrial revolution to, to show that they're, they're they were selling were, were made by hand and not these big factories that were popping up in the hillsides. Oh, so it was kind of like a, a Nike swoosh back in the day. Huh? Yeah, you got <laughs> like it. A, it was a very early form of branding. Yeah. Um, and these artisans kind of came together as a cooperative and started using variations of squares, uh, everything from pottery to uh, clothing. Yeah. Um, and then people would, you know, just like you said, a swoosh, they would, they would start to associate it with something. Mm-hmm. Right. Very cool. Doesn't take much. Yeah. Right. 
So Joe, right. tell us what is your you know your role as uh, creative uh, design within the company? Tell us a little bit about your background, how long you've been there, and and some of the stuff that you guys do. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I've been at Thunder Tech uh, almost twelve years here. Um, started out mainly as like an entry level graphic designer, really just in the weeds with um, print design, web design, a yeah. little bit of illustration here and there. Of course, over the years, really just became in love with the industry um, and grew a strong passion for like branding, especially. Um, and now being, you know, the lead of the creative team really have helped um, really launch a lot of other launch, a lot of brands from the creative side, not just from graphic design, but from messaging and um, you know, from the digital side with um, user experience, the websites, mm-hmm. even thinking about um, as well as like advertising and promotion and, all the vehicles that are needed to really help promote a brand because it's, it's a lot more than just the design. There's so much more that goes into it. And so seeing everything from all those multiple angles from the creative side is, has been awesome. Um, I shouldn't say it, but I would say that my favorite clients are definitely the beer ones, but I love all my clients equally, but the beer ones are certainly a lot of fun. And as Jason mentioned, um, our experience with a, a variety of breweries has been, has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the brewery Jason uh, is drinking the uh, Dead Man's Curve IPA from. We had a big hand in like launching their brand, mm-hmm. coming up with the brand identity, doing packaging, and a bunch of other stuff for them. So it was really cool to see the birth to the infant stages and then to where it is now. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's something really, really cool. Um, that it's it's so cool walking into the beverage store and seeing, oh wow, I, <laughs> I had a big hand in that identity. Absolutely design it's probably one of the coolest things ever yeah that's all that is awesome yeah that's pretty that's cool i've got a a question about that that we'll come back to later but yeah kind of get the ball rolling um since we're talking about branding well i want to get to what not to do but first i want to talk i want to get joe jason either one can jump in what are the top two to three assumptions you get from clients coming in that they're making about branding that that maybe is incorrect like what are the top two two to three things are coming. They think it's probably a whole list, but like, what's the big assumptions they're making? You're like, yeah, we're not starting there. <laughs> uh, I, I can almost feel Joe's uh, going to say what I was going to say. So Joe, do you want the first one? Sure. The brand, the brand is not your the brand is not your logo. Um, the biggest thing we hear is like, Oh yeah, I need a brand. And let, let's, let's, it's just my logo. And it's like, well, I mean, that's just the smallest part of it. That's yeah. what people recognize you as, but how are you communicating your audience? What's your voice? What's your tone? What's your personality? You know, even if you look at like beer labels, some of them have give off just looking at the design gives off such a different personality of who you are. And um, I mean, it's, it's, it's way more than a logo. So there's so much more. I could use, you know, three of your podcasts to talk about how your brand is not your logo. But I think to sum it up to me is that that's probably the biggest misconception that that goes into it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, so do people like come to you with like a logo in hand or kind of a sketch of one or do they usually come pretty blank? I'm just curious, like, or they have a logo and they're like, we want everything to revolve around us. And you're like, yeah, that's not how it works. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Jason, they have gonna... an idea and yeah. we perfect it. Sometimes they have no clue what they want and yeah. we start oh. from a blank slate. It's, it's, you know, everything in between. Yeah. yeah. Jason, you were going to say something? Well, yeah, I was also going to say the, you know, we've helped with naming some breweries too. And okay. I mean, if you think there's a lot of misunderstandings around <laughs> visual identity, logos and branding, I mean, naming is such a, wild, wild process because there's so much put into it. And Sean, you mentioned earlier, like Nike, right? Like what the hell's a Nike? You know, (laughs) that's the brand that what they made people think. And for some people it's different, but it's still within, you know, their guardrails of what they've invested in to get you to think about. Mm. And it's, uh, uh, we, I, I wish more organizations in general, not just breweries put the kind of energy into their messaging and positioning and the support of the, the brand as they, they do stressing out over the name because, you know, it's just, uh, uh, it's a movie we've seen many times, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, if you think about 
Apple. We'll just go to the biggest brand on earth right now. Yeah. Like Apple, like, you know, it's not, I guess it's not, it's not the name you come up with. It's what you do with it afterwards. Right. It's not dead on dead on. I mean, there's an old quote from a old guy, old public speaker from back in the day, Charlie tremendous Jones. He's like, it's not about making the right decision. It's about making the decision. Right. If you can get behind whatever decision you make, you can make just about anything right. So, well, that's cool. Um, what else other than the logo? Any- I, you know, I'd, I'd say the other thing is so much emphasis on, and again, I, if there were a boo button, I'm probably going to get that one, but there's <laughs> so much emphasis on the product yeah. and the belief because, again, this, this, for the most part, this industry is a lot of artisans and people who care about the craft. And that is, mm. that is why we, you know, Joe and I and other, other members at Thundertech are so attracted to it, but that's not how most consumers, you know, buy things. Right. Um, right. It's, you know, a bad product will, you will not last obviously, but a good product without a, you know, a good brand, a great name, yeah. um, you know, good positioning, uh, eye catching a, a packaging, it doesn't matter. It won't ever be consumed to be found out that it's a great product. Yeah, that's a great point. I think what yeah. is, who is it? David Ogilvy that said, uh, great marketing will make a bad product fail even faster. <laughs> it's, it's like, I mean, it's like you, you're putting all this, you know, all this emphasis on marketing. If your product's bad, it's going to expose it even more. Um, so, yeah. you know, you're in trouble, you know, if you don't start with the product first. Hey, Jason, I think your mic is rubbing on your zipper. Oh, thank you. You can just slide it over. I think that's where that sound's coming from. Sorry about that. No, that's right. Um, <clears throat> all right. It's cool. So I had another thing written down, and then, Jonathan, you can jump in on some questions yeah. too. But And this is just because of what you said in, in your little intro, Joe. I'm curious, like, what lessons could people learn if they're hiring a, an agency like yourself from breweries, because you said they're fun to work with and they're fun brands to work with. What makes them fun and what would make it more fun to work with other companies like it is breweries? Not to throw any other clients under the bus, just. <laughs> I think what makes it fun is, you, especially I think thinking about, I mentioned like the Goldhorn Brewery, um, seeing the development that started from almost nothing to something awesome is cool seeing that growth and development seeing it over the years but also i mean i love beer and so you know having that enjoyment of oh this is something i really enjoy doing Mm -hmm. and i really enjoy or i just enjoy you know good beer and you see the craft of it you get to talk with the brewers and the owners and learn the story Mm -hmm. and you see um everything that goes into it is such a cool process Mm -hmm. and then as i mentioned the, the development of that brand and all of a sudden you see you know um when we have our like Cleveland beer week, for example, it's, you know, a big celebration of all the local craft breweries and even some regional ones that are, they have all these big tastings. And it's like, Oh, you see them now they're part of this. Yeah. You go onto the store shelves and you see work that you had a big hand in. And then you go to the brewery and you see all these people there enjoying something that you had a hand in helping develop. It's, it's really exciting just to see that all come to life. Yeah. Yeah. Are they more open to ideas than some other niches you think, or not? Or is it about the same? Like creative ideas and things. I think from a design standpoint, yeah, the, the, this, there's definitely a much higher sky, I think, or a higher ceiling where you really get to um, do some really cool stuff. I mean, if you look at your, you know, your, your beverage store shelves, look at the, the variety and diversity in beer packaging that exists. Yeah. Very simple label design to intricate illustrations like, you know, the, the can you show, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you so, compare that to like the, the cheese aisle or the potato chip <laughs> aisle that all look the same. <laughs> I mean, like almost the same thirds of right. the packaging and they're similar colors and, you know, maybe they're trying to knock off Kraft or Lay's or whoever, but still it's like they do look kind of the same, mm-hmm. you know, so... Yeah, yeah, those those categories are much safer, right? They and, and right. they have to be much safer um, because do those, they? Well, those brands have been around typically a lot a lot longer 
and have to protect that market share. Um, And if they slip a little bit, you know, uh, I mean, a good year can be a half a percent growth in a, in a particular, um, you know, outlet um, where craft is still, I mean, again, depending on the size of the organization, what have you, it's still new enough that the experimentation, you know, a it's needed, but then B um, the whole category does it. Sure, um, right. but you look like, look at the macro beers, like, you know, there's not a ton of experimentation going on yeah. in a lot of their branding and labeling. And it's because it's, it's safer not to sometimes. Right. Right. It makes sense. Makes sense. Jonathan, I'll turn the questions to you. No. So I guess this would, this might be directed at Joe, um, just kind of following up on some of the things you said. So, I mean, you were, we were talking about this can earlier, you know, what goes into, the concept art when, you know, when it comes to, you know, planning out a particular line of beer that a company has, you know, I mean, to me, that's, it's really good artwork. So, I mean, how do you conceptualize and take that from, you know, you know, from concept to actual, you know, on the can, can you walk us through that? That's another one we could spend three, three podcasts (laughs) on, but um, the very high level is I always start out with when, when we start out our our designs, you know, working on package uh, packages for, for beers, we try to make an identifiable family. So Mm -hmm. depending on what it is, I'm like, okay, we don't just want to have a one-off design. We want something that has legs and can stretch across multiple beer types. Sure. I think that's probably one of the biggest things is we really want to make sure that this has the room to allow more beers. So, you know, when we first started doing some package designs, we're like, okay, we need to think about like the layout, of course, make sure this layout and this um, setup of it is common. It's like almost like a common template. And then mm-hmm. we try to think, okay, how is the logo recognizable? We want to make sure people recognize the brand name. They can read it. It's obvious. Yeah then you kind of get into those smaller details, that really cool illustration or whatever the image is on there mm-hmm. and think about how that relates to um, the name. Of course, the name of the beer. So, you know, the dead man's curve, right? You uh, did a really cool illustration of a car flying around you know, <laughs> the, the dangerous highway. Sure. Um, and then when you go from that, say, okay, the style that we're doing this in, how does that style replicate to other beer names? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of it that goes into it. Maybe this is something that is a big preference of mine, but I see it as this identifiable family of labels that are stretched across the entire um, breadth of all the beers that the brewery is offering. Mm-hmm. There's been some out there that I've seen them, um, other breweries, you know, obviously we didn't do them, but other ones where it's like, okay, the only common thing on there is the logo. And then everything else is just different. And there's no commonality behind it where it's recognizable. Sure. Where you go into what I believe in is you want your brand to be recognizable. And it's like the minute they launch a new brew, it's like, oh, yeah, I recognize this because it's familiar. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with uh, FMOT or First Moment of Truth? No. No. So it's, um, for the listeners, it's definitely something you should should Google out there. It's... um, Procter and Gamble um, kind of coined this this uh, acronym. I don't know, twenty years ago, maybe or so. But it's basically that first moment of truth for a consumer is that like three seconds in front of a shelf mm-hmm. that you have to grab their attention. Yeah, absolutely. And it could be to interrupt because, to your point earlier, uh, all the chips are blue and this one's red, so my eye is going to move towards it because it's different. Or to Joe's point, I'm familiar with the brand and I want that consistency and maybe they've got something new. So, um, you know, the logo or the the family, the system draws my eye towards something that I maybe haven't tried yet. Um, And that's just, you know, the consumer psychology out there is they're not going to spend a lot of time. I mean, again, this this industry, you will get more than three seconds. Yeah, but you don't have all day to go through the hundred brews at your, you know, local beer shop. But what you're saying, if you're new in the industry, you know, if you have to make a splash, you better be, you better be on the, uh, on the side. That's like a pattern interruption, right? That like interrupts everything else that you're seeing out there. Right. Like, Whoa, right. what is this? <laughs> 
Yeah. The, the, be distinctive. Right. Yeah. And, and that doesn't, I think in this industry, it all, a lot of people interpret that as being crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, the psychedelic wave that's running through right now, or yeah. that you mentioned that Jonathan mentioned the, the tattoo art, yeah. like all that stuff is super cool. Right. But, um, you, you don't have to go, you don't have to be an edge case visually to grab somebody's attention. Sure. No, that makes sense. Um, we used, we had, Sean and I had, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Pete Slosberg. He's the, uh, Pete's Wicked Ale. He, you know, oh, he's the, yeah. he's one of like the original uh, guerrilla marketers in oh, the geez. brewing industry. <laughs> so he's been on our show, you know, he, uh, but, you know, I, I actually still have a quote in my office that he, uh, he said, cause it's really, I, I look at it all the time, but he said, treat your product with reverence, but everything else with irreverence, right? Yeah. So, you know, your product is, you know, obviously that's, that's the thing. But, you know, when it comes to marketing, you know, he, there was, you know, I mean, he shared a lot of stories on our podcast of like just crazy things he would do to get, you know, attention. And it worked really well. Uh, obviously, you know, he since, you know, sold out to Budweiser and everything, you know, and he's probably you know, rake, he raked in a fortune and he's doing quite well now, but you know, he's like, yeah, he still teaches, you know, these workshops on branding and marketing. But I just think about that where you, you know, from what we're talking about, you know, be, you know, be irreverent with everything else, you know, (laughs) you know, when it comes to marketing, you know, whatever, you know, whatever gets attention sometimes is, is pretty good, especially, you know, in this space where it's a growing industry it's pretty crowded right now. And so you've got to make a splash um, if you're going to get noticed. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's understanding your audiences, yeah. right. And being consistent then. Yeah. Um, because if, if irreverence plays well to your audience, which, you know, definitely I think as a, just as a shorthand, it, it can. Right. But if you're um, <laughs> a local yeah. Uh, neighborhood brewing, uh, you know, a brewery that's in a, in a town without a bunch of breweries sure. and very conservative and whatever else, like you're going to scare some people going <laughs> yeah. too far off the rails. Right. Yeah. So, right. you know, it depends on where you're at yeah. in the marketplace. Yep. And that's why you say it, you know, it's so much more than logo, right? Cause it, all that stuff has to be taken into consideration for the, for the branding. Yes. Do you guys have a brand that you've worked with that you think does really well across a pretty wide product line of like, as soon as you see it, you're like, Oh yeah, that's part of that brand. Do you have a one that comes to mind? Well, so Joe certainly can chime in and we want to debate. This would be a great place to do it. But uh, (laughs) I, I think there's another brewery work with that is a, uh, a regional and uh, it's, it's got some financial backing that's allowed it to to expand pretty quickly. It's called saucy brew works. And um, they have expanded into coffee as some other breweries are too. Uh, And they're, they are about to expand into, um, I don't think it's official. So I'll just call it a controlled, um, state by state, you know, legalized substances. Um, and that's, they know their audience, their, their audience is, um, not a, not a conservative, you know, uh, type is, is is looking for a sensory kind of, um, approach. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, look at that. Like they accept crypto, right? Like, yeah, that says a lot right there. They know what they want to do. Right. And they very much live that out and that's allowing them to pursue these other verticals. Um, but pursue them in, in areas that again are all about a sensory experience. Um, so yeah, that, that's one I think has been doing it very well, uh, as of late. So Joe, when I look at this, um, you know, immediately I noticed like they have the same, even though it's different colors, but the, that, that, that key logo, logo is yeah. at the top, yep. mm-hmm. but then also the little things at the bottom, like this banding at the bottom is very similar, mm-hmm. this darker spot, yeah. um, at least on those couple cans. There's another company that, that is local here that I buy from all the time, which is this one. And they kind of do the same thing. See, they get that. Not the same mm-hmm. thing, but they've got a band at the top and the bottom. Yep. You know, they're different colors and these are widely different feels of the can, but they all look at the same time, all the same. 
Right. And I think that's like, this is full grand, full grown man series is one of my favorite stouts. It's like a really, really good stout series. They have full grown St. Nick for Christmas, a full grown um, St. Patrick, a full grown, all these different things. So that's pretty, pretty good. But yeah, they're, they're really popular here in the, in Texas. But um, so I think that's a, you know, to me, I can see, even though those three cans are completely different, like you said, they all kind of look the same at the same time. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Well, Sean, you got, you got even into naming, right? Conventions for each mm-hmm. uh, product, not just the brand, but right. then the naming of each beer. And I think that's, that's another thing that, yeah. you know, breweries, there's some that do a great job is some that maybe not so great, but it's that, <laughs> yeah. it's that consistency, like yeah. a full grown. like that is a fantastic name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they've done line extensions off of it. Right? right. So if you liked one full grown, you're probably going to try another one. Yeah. Um, and that's that first moment of truth, especially at shelf mm-hmm. or even at the bar to say, yep. um, you know, that it's, that it's, uh, it's, it's worth doing some trial and maybe having another one. Yeah. yeah. Cause a lot of the full grown, like this is the, the primary full grown man that they always have. But then when holidays roll around, they have a, a one off or seasonal. Yeah. But you, as soon as you see it, you're like, Oh, I, I love the full grown. So I'm going to give the full grown St. Nick or the full grown St. Patty's or the full grown, whatever yeah. a try. So, um, and it, it keeps me buying them and some of the, the other ones aren't as good as the original but I still buy them and sometimes I buy them just cause I like the cans. <laughs> well, that's how a lot of people buy. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. So, so yeah. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about um, what not to yeah. do in branding. And that's probably a very long list as well. <laughs> the seven. Where do we start? Get, yeah. get us wow. Seven. <laughs> Uh, I'll throw the first one out. I, you know, I, I, I think we have seen, um, brewers and, and especially, you know, when they're smaller, they, they fall in love with their product and their brand and it's tough cause that's their baby. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like any small business and it's about more about their opinion versus what their audience actually wants. That's a tough conversation to have. I can imagine. It's, it's incredibly tough. Yeah. So what do you tell them? So if, if it's not to fall in love with your own product or like, I mean, obviously they want to have high standards for the product and all that. Yeah. But what do you, what do you say is the counter to that? What should they be focused on if it's not the product? Well, sometimes it's, it's, it's not just the, the liquid as the product, but it's everything else. Right. So yeah. when we have to come in and do a rebrand or, or adjust and evolve the brand, it's, it's usually because something has started slipping. Um, mm-hmm. Retail sales have slowed. The distribution uh, partners are are upset. Um, you know, whatever it is, mm-hmm. the products, the product itself still may be fine, but it's it's how they wrap the product and present it that has just usually gone stale. It right. may have worked years ago, but um, you know, you got to keep. Uh, you got to keep invigorating it. Um, and, and that's a lot of measurement. How can you be objective? Um, it's just like restaurants, which again, many brew pubs are, you know, disagreeing with every single bad review online. It's like, well, if they're all bad, then you might have a problem. (laughs) If you're the only common denominator, (laughs) you got it. You got it. Yeah. I had some, I had a, couple teachers kind of all tell me that about my grades oh. back in the day. You know? <laughs> You're the only one taking all these classes. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So what else, what else should, should people, or do you wish, you know, clients would not do or that you can just say what you should not be doing when it comes to branding and marketing or branding, I guess, packaging. We can, we can, we can go broad in branding or we can go specifically to packaging if you want to. Joe, another one? <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Um, I would say, uh, I think from what we've seen is some, a lot of the startups tend to like rush into things and then they have to kind of pump the brakes and then reevaluate their whole strategy. Mm-hmm. Seeing it from the design side, um, we, I've, from what I've experienced, it just seems like they kind of rush into something that really wasn't that well thought out initially 
And then there's kind of like you had said, like that's like when we'd come in and like, okay, let's, let's take a look at this from the, the branding strategy, from the visual side, especially. And like, where can we help streamline all this? You know, if sure. it comes down to just like a simple logo design, and we worked with some breweries that came to us with these really crazy complex logos. And then when you try to apply it to packaging and you scale it down, it's, it's the legibility isn't good mm-hmm. and it just doesn't work. And then it's like, okay, well now we have this idea here. Here's going to be your main mark. You're going to see on packaging. This one you can put on t-shirts. This one can go on signage. And you start to think about not just creating a singular logo, but it's more like the family of all these brand, um, brand assets that can be applied to multiple channels because the beer it's, it's more than the beer itself. You mentioned the restaurant, the brew pub apparel, thinking about all these different things that they can sell just on top of the beer. Mm. People want, people want a t-shirt with their favorite brewery on it. And how do you expand that branding onto that type of stuff? And how is your presence looks when people are driving down the street, trying to find your brewery? Is that sign visible? Is it legible? Does it stand out to people? So that's a lot of things I think people tried a lot of the mistakes that they make early on. Like I said, is they just rush into it. They don't think about the bigger picture of everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Apple's first logo right? <laughs> or Starbucks for that matter as well. I mean, Starbucks yeah, is right. pretty complicated as well, but Apple has got to take, got to take the award for most complex logo for a company. I think yeah. um, it's like a 15th century Oh yeah. You know, or whatever. That. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I, I remember, I don't know, back in the, back in the day, probably nineties, I remember hearing somebody say, you got to remember, you know, when you're, when your logo goes across the fax machine, people still need to be able to read it. I'm like, that's to this day, that's actually probably a pretty good test. Like, would it show up on the other end of a fax machine? That's right. Like, that's like allegedly. Point. Yeah. Pretty I mean, test. We, we've said like, could somebody, you know, even try to sketch it out. Right. Not that we're all artists, but is it simple enough? You could remember some basics of it. Um, you know, and it's, again, that just aids recall. Uh, That'd be a great focus group. Like go to a third or fourth grade class, mm -hmm. show them the logo and then have them all recreate it Mm -hmm. and see how, how close it got. Yeah. Like how memorable it was. Like, like I could see you take Apple you know, the stem would be the wrong way that the bite would be on the wrong side, but they'd all get it basically sure. pretty darn close. But if in Nike, they'd probably all get it right. Unless they're left-handed, they'd probably get it backwards, yeah. you know, but, um, that, that'd be a, a cool little focus group test. Agreed. You could charge extra for you that. You guys should be in marketing. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> you can, you can just tell your clients, it's like, yeah, we're doing a very uh, serious <clears throat> focus group. So we're going to need a little extra money and then you can just go down to the local school and they can bill it as marketing for their, for their sure. kids. Love um, all right. So what else, what else do we uh, not want to do when it comes to branding or packaging? Uh, I think we've seen in, this is across many industries, but for some reason, generally speaking in food and Bev, because we're all consumers at the end of the day and we can all go to a grocery store or a beer shop or what have you and, and compare this stuff is that this, this, this focus, this heavy duty, like over the top focus on the competition. And, um, you know, so much so that some brands forget to be themselves and it's like, we don't need to add blue just because they added blue. Right. We don't need to add this, you know, uh, ring around the bottom because five others did it. Like right. you want to stand out and, and why you different and all of this, but it, it's some of it's human, you know, nature just to kind of watch the crowds and see what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's enhanced, unfortunately, because everything at, uh, in this world is at shelf level that we can compare. Yeah. I guess don't we all do that though with, with the niches we're in, we all kind of compare to our, our, you know, book authors compare their books to the same authors yeah. in the same niche, you know, like, Ooh, does my book look like John Maxwell's or whoever yeah. the big author in the space is? Right. Um, John Maxwell comes to mind cause all his books, even though they're different colors, all look the same, they all have the same banding yeah. yep. across them. Um, what about, um, packaging? What are some tips or some ideas on packaging? Cause that seems that, you know, there's everybody has to do branding, but only people with pro the physical product world actually needs 
seems like they need packaging. I could be wrong on that, but trying to see if I was jumping ahead there. You know, I, I know Joe and his team have this constant argument. I'm sorry, Joe, I'm probably jumping in front of you for it, but it's, it's, and, and I understand it, you know, as a business owner, but it's this balance is that, um, when you are counting pennies on every, uh, every package in terms of the cost to produce it, right. You're going to start skimping. So you may not add the extra, um, you know, foil to, to the label, mm. or you may not, you know, get the bottle cap, uh, printed on, et cetera, uh, yeah. because it matters uh, that extra, you know, cent or two or five, you know, really can add up, especially when you're smaller. But I do think, and I think there's again, declining returns on how much you do, but those things can help you separate from the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes because it's, it's there and it's your, your, the consumer is very conscious of it. And sometimes it's unconscious, just a trigger. It's like, Oh, their pull tabs are always a different color. Like in, in not many consumers care about that, but it's like, if you're the only one doing that, sure. you know, it's like, Oh, that's different. That's, that's eye catching. It's memorable. Yep. I remember listening to a th- um, somebody talk about Altoids. Hmm. And like everything that's in that packaging is there for a reason. Like even the paper, ten, in the paper the yeah. has a certain, they yeah. chose a certain paper cause it makes a certain sound. Yep. You know, and the whole thing's nostalgic, you know, going back to older, older yep. type candies and things like that. But how deliberate mm-hmm. that whole packaging is. And it allows them to sell for like twice the price of certs, you know, or. And they make else. you feel guilty for throwing away that. <laughs> Yeah. 10 box like, yeah. like store your so that's where you store your this silver away? coins I mean, <laughs> you just collect them or what <laughs> i don't know i i i stopped I, you know i stopped collecting but for a long time i felt guilty for you know buying them and yeah. throwing away like these can be yeah. these boxes can be used for something else right again um, we, we've mentioned this a hundred times on on this show probably is apple boxes or you know apple yeah. packaging Oh, yeah. is a great example of like, it's an experience to yeah. open, unwrap Apple products. And, and more and more companies have taken that on. Jonathan and I both bought remarkable tablets in the last six mm-hmm. months yeah. and their packaging was really, really good, very Apple like and really yeah. well done things like that. But how do you, how do you do that in something like a beer? So you mentioned a couple of things like pull tab could be different. Um, well, also what about pricing too? Because I'm sure those are conversations that you have with uh, clients that are like, well, we're thinking about this. And you're like, well, you know, because pricing can sometimes, you know, a higher price could is, you know, sometimes is a higher perceived value. You know, we talk, Mm -hmm. Sean and I talk about time and time again, you know, you know, you look at a a $12 uh, six pack versus a, you know, an $18 four pack. And you're thinking, Sometimes, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking perceived value is that mm-hmm. the four pack is probably a much better quality brew and you're, yeah. you know, you're looking at that, but it's, it's nothing more than, you know, some of it can go into visual appearance, but a lot of it's just the fact that you're like, well, I'm paying more for this, so it's got to be better. Right, right. I think, and you know, from the business side of things, um, you know, some of the, the best, uh, breweries, you know, have good, um, accountants or controllers to help them run scenarios. Sure. And either they can do that themselves, the founders, the brewers, right. Um, but, or they have somebody internally or externally that can do that. And yeah, we can, we can help with understanding, uh, helping them understand perception, but yeah. you know, the perception is only going to take you so far. Sure, so yeah. if it's, if it's terrible and you just spent 20 <laughs> bucks on it, oh. <laughs> Yeah, you, again, that's that'll for sure. never happen again, right? Right, it won't. <laughs> but if you've got uh, a good reputation, like if you've spent the time, money, effort, and energy on the the back end building up mm-hmm. the brand, yeah. right, you can get it. You can right. ask for a higher uh, sure. amount in this industry, right? Especially if you're not going for the masses. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the 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 guy or gal just buying the the quick tailgate beer for you know how you know is is looking at price. The right. uh, the the craft connoisseur, I mean, you can't charge anything, but yeah. price the, the elasticity is a little more present because yeah. of the uh, type of consumer we're we're selling to. Uh, for yeah, and it seems part. to be growing. Mm-hmm. The, the yeah. range seems to be growing. I, you know, right. now there's the seven fifty milliliter bottles and yeah. stuff that are starting to get pricey like liquor. 
yeah. prices, you know? So yeah, founders pushing it. it founders, uh, they're, they're one of those that could, you know, you'd like take my money, you know, they, like they come up with a four pack and you're like, you know, cause most of their stuff is just really good in my opinion. Yeah. Um, That's so I'm with tier. what's that? That's how I am with Southern Tier. Oh, yeah. They have, they have some <laughs> stuff, and it's like $18 a four-pack. But it's like, whoa, this is supposed to taste like Girl Scout cookie thin mints? Yes, please. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. And so when you see a new flavor by them, mm-hmm. you recognize the brand. Yeah. You, they've established with the product quality. So you, the whole the whole thing is kind of circular, right? Absolutely. You, you get their attention the first time you try the product, the product's good. Now, when you see a similar item from that brand, you're willing to give them another shot because the product was good. Yeah. And then the new packaging caught their eye. So I can see how it all kind of, all kind of fits together. Yeah. So in the craft beer, and then uh, we'll start wrapping up but in the craft beer world, how important is like really knowing your audience? Like in some niches, like you really got to know your avatar really well. And we kind of lightly touched on that at the very beginning, but how important is it in this, in this industry? Joe, you want to hit on brand and personas and such? Sure. Yeah. The craft beer audience is all over the place. Um, I would think so. But I think when it comes to that also, and this is another thing that I'm wondering, this is a, a good thing to do or even think about the mistakes people make is have a good story. You know, there's when, when I look at like beer packaging and I, I love to look at the labels, tell me like what your, what, what does your brewery stand for? What's your story? What's your name about? And like, what's the story behind the beer? Like I love reading about the name. Where did this name come from? And I think there's a little bit of there like that. I don't know. For some reason, I think like people, who are in this industry, like the audience mm-hmm. really cares about the artisan background behind what they're, what's being produced. And I think telling them about that is super important. So I think that's one thing like with this audience, cause they, they really care about the beer and they love it. All the different experience, uh, experimental things that people are putting into it. And it's, it's, it's an, it's a really cool experience when you try that new beer for the first time and, experience all those flavor notes. So I think giving your audience that information and telling that story just goes such a long way. It gets people excited about it. Yeah. I think, um, do you have a brand that comes to mind that does that really well? Um, playing favorites. I mean, great lakes brewery, um, is one of those that really has cool stories behind all of their beers that a lot of them are, are really local, uh, local favorites. So the Great Lakes is, is another one out of Cleveland, but a lot of their um, stories and their beer names come from things out of this area that is really recognizable. Sure. And it just feels good. And it's like, yeah, this, this feels like my identity because I understand it. It's like my story too, because it's something that's relatable to them. So yeah. those are those stories that um, or for them, like they tell such a good story. Yeah. One that comes to mind for me, um, share this screen again hold on is there's this brand here that always catches my attention when i'm in the store and it makes me curious like every time and when you talk about story this really kind of came to mind Mm -hmm. Uh, actually that's hard to see let me but it's called untitled art and all their cans have this um, minimal logo yeah kind of a minimal logo with artwork on it Mm -hmm. yep um you can kind of see it in the background there but uh, the cool line art is really interesting. Yeah. It's, and it always makes, they talk about on their homepage, I guess, um, they support the arts, I think is part of their story. Mm-hmm. So we make art inside and outside the can thing. And then, um, but they have a very unique look in the, in, on the shelves when they go by and it does have more of a wine feel to it than craft beer. Yeah. So, um, and they do a lot of other stuff too, but so that's one that comes to mind for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of theirs too, uh, Sean. And I think that one, while, while the art is, is different on every can, you can still tell it's part of a family. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. They've done yep. a nice job. Yeah, and here's, and I could see great lakes. I mean, obviously that, that immediately kind of resonates with yes people in the area. 
which is pretty big area, great lakes, but you know, you're like, Oh, this is my people, right? Great lakes. Cause mm-hmm. if you're from that area, you're from that area. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's, that's cool. I'll have to check that out. And, you know, and they've, they've had this situation that again, not every, not every brewery has wants or is blessed with, but as you move outside of your region, does your story travel? Mm, and yeah, you know, point. to the neighborhood brew pub, you just make it about you if that's what it is. And you just want to sell a ton of beer. That's fine. Yeah. But the ones that are more production oriented that really want to take off, your story has to travel uh, or you're going to have to probably reposition, reinvent that story um, on why it should matter to somebody who doesn't, who's never visited your city or, or learned about the names that you, you know, you've yeah. attached to your brews. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, the mo- do you think the clients you guys work with are a lot of them wanting to stay local? Or they want to go big. It's all the above. Yeah. yeah. Some have, uh, again, the, the super regional or national ambitions. Mm-hmm. Um, others are fully cemented in their, you know, one mile, uh, radius. And that's cool too. Like it just yeah. know what you want and it's a heck of a lot easier to build a brand out of that. Uh, then if you're just kind of throwing it up in the air and, you know, let the wind take you where it may. Yeah. yeah. It's a good lesson to kind of know where you want to go and how, how big, especially if in the design phase, instead of having to kind of start over. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Jonathan, you got any other questions or. No, I mean, this has been uh, fantastic. I've, we've enjoyed having you guys on. This is uh, it's an interesting conversation to talk about like where this starts, you know, how, you know, these companies get their, you know, the origins of their story, their packaging, their marketing. And I mean, sometimes, like you say, it, it has to start local, you know, you have to have a, a, you know, foundation, but, uh, carrying your story from there can be a challenge. Um, you know, it, it, some make it and some don't. So, yeah, definitely. Well, guys, we have on our listeners, we have copywriters, we have physical product owners, we have all kinds of people that are into marketing, things like that. Uh, that could either maybe refer you guys out or need your services. So how can people find out more about you? Oh, well, thank you. Uh, you can just hit up thundertech.com and uh, check out our work. We have a whole industries page on our food and beverage work. Uh, you know, we'll show you all the shiny logos we've worked with and uh, you can get to get in touch through that contact form or the 800 number there. And we work coast to coast and a little bit uh, outside the U S as well. All right. Do you guys stuff. do any, uh, like outside of beer, like any whiskey, uh, or bourbon, uh, companies or. So we've, we've worked with a few distilleries. Um, distilleries, typically the, yeah, they've been, uh, vodkas or, or rums. Um, yeah, it's, it's what, what a fascinating time in those industries. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. Tough, tough, tough. Yeah. Craft bourbons and, and, uh, well, all sorts of craft liquors are, are, yeah trending well, up. Right. And, and the breweries that are trying to get into those, um, you know, adjacent spaces too. And yeah. you know what, some are doing a great job and I think some are frankly falling down mm-hmm. uh, on themselves because they're, they're using the same uh, approaches that you know, might've made them successful in beer. Yeah. And like some of that can translate, mm-hmm. but not all of it can. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, guys, thanks so much. Uh, yeah. You know, we'll be posting a link to uh, on our show page for your uh, for your website, how our listeners can find out more about you. And um, again, we'd uh, invite you to come back on here in the near future. And uh, thanks again. Have a great weekend. Thank, Thank you, guys. guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks. Hey, we're going to send you to the green room. We're going to close out the show. Uh, so maybe hang tight for about a minute or so. And uh, Sean and I will uh, we'll, uh, reach back out on the back end here. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Yep. You bet. All right, man. That's cool. Cool stuff. Yeah. And there's all kinds of, yeah, I think we could do, you know, three or four days on stuff there <laughs> episodes at least, but yeah, some good stuff, some good examples. Uh, so for those that are just listening, jump over to the YouTube or the um, persuasion by the pint.com and see some of the examples that we talked about on the yeah, video for sure. Uh, Cause there's definitely some, some good takeaways there about actually looking at, uh, the screen and seeing what we were talking, some of the stuff we were talking about. Yep, absolutely. To all of our listeners, thanks for watching. You can uh, find us at persuasion by the pint, 
Uh.com. You can find us on all of your platforms, Stitcher Radio, iHeart, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it. And uh, Sean, we've got another podcast to follow up after this one. We can do a yep. little um, flight of persuasion. Got some really cool uh, topics to discuss. Probably yes. one that'll carry over. I've got a packaging thing kind of just to follow up what we discussed here on um, you know packaging and branding that'll be uh, really good for that. So uh, I got some good old I got a good old fashioned mailbox piece to share that oh good totally fooled me and got me reading so Fantastic. talk about that. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you guys next time and uh, Sean, it's been fun. We'll uh, see you on the flip side. See ya. Bye.